Good morning. I'm Anna Marie, and it's time again for Focus. Today, our Memorial Day edition of the show, and we have a special guest, Sergeant Noah Galloway. He's a recipient of the Purple Heart. He was in Operation Iraqi Freedom, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. And so, welcome to the show, first of all. Thanks for having me on. So, I want to just let you tell your story, first of all. Okay. Well, I mean, where it really starts that, you know, with my injury and everything comes from, I was in college when 9-11 happened, and that was when I decided to drop out of college, enlist in the military, served the 101st out of Fort Campbell, Kentucky, right up the road, and was in the invasion of Iraq in 2003 under General Petraeus, and then went back in 2005. We were in southwest Baghdad, the Triangle of Death, and I I got hit one night uh, by improvised explosive device. Woke up five days later in a hospital, and it was all news to me that I lost my left arm above the elbow, my left leg above the knee. I had injuries to my right leg, my right hand, my jaw was shattered, so my mouth was wired shut. So I woke up to a completely different life, to say the least. Where are you from originally? I'm from Alabama. I heard that accent. <laughs> so I'm right down the road. And so wh- what kind of thoughts went through your mind and where were you then, like mentally? You know, that had to be, you, like you said, you woke up to a completely I different did, you life. know, and to a lot of people, they, you know, I've, since then I've been on the cover of Men's Health. I did Dance with the Stars. I've done all this stuff. And a lot of people, you know, have seen that side of me. And what they didn't see was I went through a long depression. You know, I struggled for several years and... It was me realizing I needed to be a better father that encouraged me to get back into fitness and and get help from my depression. But yeah, no, when I first woke up, it was, what am I going to do? What, what, what am I good for now? I mean, I literally thought I would have been better off dying in combat than to wake up in a hospital. What am I good for now? Yes. That's how I felt then. Yes. That's how I felt then. And, and it you took know there me a while. are people who feel that way now. Oh, yeah. So this is going to resonate with Yeah, you. you know, and that's why, like, I ended up writing a book a couple years ago, Living With No Excuses. And, yeah, I talk about my childhood. I talk about being in the military. I even talk about Dancing with the Stars. But what the heart of the book, I go into great detail, brutally honest about my depression and the struggles I went through. And when the book came out, I thought all these people that saw me on Dancing with the Stars and saw that I was this nice Southern gentleman and just a, you know, a good guy, that they were going to read these parts of the book and not like me. But what ended up happening was I've had a lot of people that, not just military, but people who have gone through depression that related to it. And that's why I did the book because I wanted, when I went through my depression, I thought I was alone. And I wanted someone else to read this book and see that these struggles are normal. And it took me a while to see that. And that's why I did the book. And because I wanted people to see that I didn't just wake up and say, oh, I'm going to go get in shape and be on the cover of a magazine and and dance. Well, I don't know how to dance. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a very common thing when people are going through depression. They feel very isolated and feel like... Nobody even knows this about me. I know. And it's I hit my it. secret. Yeah, I didn't want anybody to know because I was ashamed. You know, and I what, what really affected me was, you know, I, I found a career. Once I was in the military, then I loved it. So I found a career. And there most people go their entire lives and never find a career. Right. So then one day I woke up and it was gone. I had no vision of the future. You know, we all, whatever path we're going in life, we kind of have, even if it's a little hazy, we have a view of our future. But when it's taken away, that's where my depression, like it, I just sank deep into it. And I think there's a lot of people that go through that in life. Not, you know, military that get out, whatever it is, people that graduate college, you know, and they can't just immediately get a job. They're like, what am I going to do now? That is very common and that's where i went through my yeah losing arm and leg i wasn't happy about but i felt like as crazy as it sounds losing my career affected me way more 
I could see that. Yeah. If I couldn't be in radio. I know. Yeah. If you, if tomorrow your voice was gone, boom. Like, what's Plan B? Most people yeah. do not have a Plan B. Yeah. And so you said trying to be a better father was what yeah, helps so to well, motivate you. You know, because I've had people ask me what the turning point was. It was uh, exactly what happened. I walked out in my living room one day, and my three kids were on the couch, and I realized to my two boys, I'm showing them what a man is, and that's what they're going to grow up to be one day. And to my little girl, I'm showing her how a man's supposed to act, and that's what she's going to look for one day. So I knew then I needed to make a change. I always tell people that I didn't fix it. I still screwed up, but every time I fell flat on my face, it was the thought of my three children that were my motivation to get up and push a little harder, go a little further. And I owe everything to them. When TV shows started calling me, I turned them down left and right. Survivor, all these different shows, because I did not want to leave the state of Alabama for that long away from my kids. And when Dance with the Stars called, I told them no, because I couldn't leave the state. But they were like, that's fine. We'll send the dancer to you. And I responded the only way I, I could. It just I was like, crap. I guess I'll do it. You know, it was I, <laughs> I thought I was free and clear of doing a dancing show, but they took all my excuses away. So I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this. Crap. I guess I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it affect your life? How did it change your life? And we'll go back because I still want to go back on the journey just a little okay. bit with you. But how did it affect your life? So now that we're in being injured, no, the, oh, dancing, the dancing was a star. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Because were you kind of known at that point? I, I had a following, you know, because from doing adventure races and then men's health, I had this following, but not as big as Dancing with the Stars. That took it to a whole nother level. And then I ended up going the entire ten weeks and coming in third place, and it was. It was interesting. You know, I, I don't know how to dance. People think I know how to dance now. I'm like, nope, I have not danced since that show. When it ended. In fact, you know, after the finale, we had to fly on a private Disney jet overnight from L.A. to New York to go do Good Morning America live in Times Square. And on the flight, Sharna was like, now, look, when we get there, we'll do an interview. Then we'll do our whatever dance you know i was like whoa 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 the show's over she's like no we have to do one more dance for good one i was like no i'm not i mean i was ready to put my foot down of course i had to but i was <laughs> like i'm not dancing sharna it's over <laughs> i forgot it already yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did it give you more confidence in what you're doing and that you're on the right path what's crazy is about halfway through the season i mean i take a lot of pride in trying to make sure that i, I have a smooth gait when i walk when I run, I want everything to be smooth, but dancing did help with the way I move on a prosthetic leg. I mean, I was doing things I didn't know I could do and the way I moved, and that's all because of Sharna Burgess. So I do, even my friends said they noticed that I was smoother in the way I walked and things like that because of the dancing. Wow. Okay, so now let's go back to before all the, okay. the fame and fortune kind of uh -huh. hit you. And I'm assuming you're loaded and rich now. I mean, I'm doing okay for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Because uh, you've worked hard for it. Uh, so a little bit more about the journey. Because you said the, the kids were your kind of your turning point, mm -hmm. that realization yes. that you needed to do something. So what did you do? And before you answer, if you're just joining us, I'm Anna Marie, and this is Focus. And we're talking with uh, Sergeant Noah Galloway, a Purple Heart recipient. He was in Operation Iraqi Freedom. And we're talking about his journey uh, from Alabama yep. to where you are now. Yep. You you got injured and you woke up and you realized that, and what had happened? Let's reset that yeah, for them. So I was hit by a roadside bomb and woke up and now I'm a double amputee, you know, I had the injuries to my right leg and right hand healed up and my jaw healed up, but yeah, I'm now 
walk on a prosthetic leg. I've the only time I wear an arm is when I ride my motorcycle, which that stresses people out when I tell them that. But yeah, I still am a risk taker. You know, it's who I am as a person. <laughs> I can't change that. Okay, gotcha. Okay, and so what did you do to start getting yourself back on track? Well, you know, fitness was something that. Always been a priority in my life, but then during that several years of depression, I gotten in the worst shape I was ever in. Just didn't care, so I knew the first thing I had to do was change my eating habits. So I did that first, and then I started easing into getting back into fitness and the gym because you can't just pick it up overnight. People now, think we can't. We think uh, yeah, we can. No. I see this diet on the front of this magazine, and I'm going to do that. And I'm going to. St- it takes. It. I always tell people baby steps. Do not try to jump in because they will. They'll jump on a crazy diet. Or not just crazy, but an extreme diet. And get a gym membership. Yep, and then start working out in a way that is too advanced, and it breaks people down. So then they they quit. Whether it's a couple weeks or a couple of months, it's too strenuous. You have to ease into it, and that's what I started doing. And then I could tell a difference the way I felt, then over time how I looked. You know, and I tell people fitness is a journey you're on for the rest of your life. You know, you go through ups and downs. I mean, over the winter, I put on a little extra weight. You know, so, I mean, that's just part of it. But, I mean, when it comes, I knew I needed to get back in the gym. And not only that, I love to speak out on depression and getting help, mental health. You know, when I talk about health and fitness, that is your entire body. And that includes the most important organ that we have, which is our brain, the most complicated. So, no, I went and got mental health and checked up and went through that. And I felt like that was the best thing I could have ever done to start the progression of getting through the struggles I had. That's good. I'm glad you mentioned that because it almost seemed like you were saying, I'm just willed myself to feel better. That's one thing I never would want people to think that because it was not like that. Uh, In fact, the the struggles I went through, like when I mentioned my book, Living No Excuses, I have an entire chapter that is dedicated to me spending 10 days in the county jail. So, I mean, it's, it's, I admit the mistakes I made and yeah, they were my mistakes, you know, but I had to, you know, do what I could to correct those and fix those and, and make sure they didn't happen again. And that took a lot of effort and a lot of time to try and self-medicate. I did. So it was because you know, I went for like I was I thought I'd done well by getting off all the medication I was on. But I started self-medicating with alcohol. Yeah. And in fact, I, do. I yeah. I, so it got out of control. And then I went a good year or two where I would not drink. I had to make sure I could control it, you know, to make sure I if I'm the kind of person that can I go out and have a drink every so often? Or, I mean, if somebody's an alcoholic, they're an alcoholic for life. You know what I mean? And they know that. They know that they either have to stay away from it completely or it, it pulls them in. So I didn't know where I was in that road. So I had to ease into it and see that it's not anything that, because I do have an addictive personality, but I get addicted to, I, I use that energy for fitness and things like that and my right. kids. What are you addicted to doing with your kids? You know, just time with them. Me and my kids, I have three kids, you know, they're 9, 11, and 14. Two oldest are boys. My little girl is my princess, and she's the baby, and she owns me. She gets whatever she wants. <laughs> um, but I do everything I can to make sure that we all have good quality time together. The four of us, I have individual time with each one of them. I mean, I they are my priority. When I'm not out of town, I am home, and I'm with them, and I'm, you know, I'm divorced, but me and their mom good co-parenting we get along that's what's and i have friends of mine when they go through divorce i'm like look it's tough in the beginning but when y'all both put your kids first it will be easy yeah where did you get ethics like that 
that seems to be kind of rare this day and well, time. Well, you know, people I, are like, "We're divorcing, so I hate you, you biatch." You yeah, know? you know, that's that's very that's common. Horrible. Yeah, and I, you know, I have two ex-wives. I have one from when I was really young, and then you know, I rushed into a second marriage when I got injured, and then we got a divorce. So I have my oldest son with one, my other two with others, and that's another thing. I'm making sure they have quality time together. Um, but I get along with both my ex-wives because there's no need in arguing. My first ex-wife's remarried, and I get along with her. I text her husband as much as I text her. In fact, I texted him the other day and said, hey, because he has a daughter from a previous marriage. I was like, one day this summer, I want Layla to come with us. We're going to do something with all the kids. He's yeah. like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's it, that's – well, okay, well, you asked where it comes from. My, I have two sisters that are educators. My older sister has her PhD in child education. My youngest sister is a special ed teacher. And we do a lot of talking about kids, and I love working with kids. And I see myself one day doing more in the classroom as my 15 minutes runs out because I think that's where I love working with kids. And seeing the difference it makes in yes. their lives. You know, and I was that kid growing up that I was a problem child. I was not a straight-A student, and I actually love working with kids that are on that same path because I told a kid the other day that has been struggling, I said, look, I know that your peers, other students have convinced you you're dumb, and you probably have had some teachers say that as well. And he nodded because I know I've been there. There are teachers that have no problem just – pushing a child aside, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but I told him, I said, look, I'm going to tell you a secret about life. CEOs and those that change the world, they're not honor students. They're not straight A students. Yeah. The people that take risks are the people who will take the risk because they think outside the box. Yeah. I said, your life's going to go one of two ways. Two ways, Either you're going to go do something incredible or you're going to take that same energy and you're going to go down the wrong path. And I said, choose wisely. Because you have a lot of potential. And I think that's without really knowing the kid. It's just knowing that that's, that's a real statement. Yeah. See, these big-time CEOs were not the ones that ever – because – Or even we uh, even oddball uh, announcers. I mean, <laughs> people who – you can't be a sheep. Yeah. You have to be different from the sheep. Yeah. And when you're a kid and you're different from the sheep and you stand out, it's hard it when is. you grow up if you're different then you can like you say if you're if you found a channel for it mm -hmm. it's and wonderful. i you know my older sister would always come to me to talk about the kid the students she had that she knew were like me and we talked because she what i love about how she sees the classroom your average teacher sees the class as a whole and statistically some of them are not going to move forward and they accept that my sister she looks at every child and she wants success from each one of them. And so the fact that she's been a teacher like that and she has taught me so much about children and education and the way things work, that's, I think it's because of her that I have this passion and want to just follow in her footsteps to help in everything she's doing. That is pretty awesome. We're talking with Noah Galloway. Uh, he was on Dancing with the Stars. And what was this with Men's Health? You were the... I was. They called me the ultimate guy. The ultimate guy. Yeah. I don't forget that one. I, I, I keep a, a, an issue in the truck everywhere I go, just in case. Yeah, so you can help <laughs> cute girl next to you hold it up in the window. This is me. The ultimate guy. Yeah. There aren't a lot of uh, guys who can use that as bragging rights. I would hold on to that, too. Okay. So you get mental help. You start getting in shape physically. Mm -hmm. you, you start getting your life back on track. And you have the kids to hold on to i did yes. you had that thought to hold on to what would you advise somebody else who maybe doesn't they not have, have kids that's a good question because i what? tell people all the time that if you have goals whether they're fitness goals 
things you want to do with your personal life or business, whatever it is, you have to have, because what we do is in life, we run into obstacles and then our fear prevents us from finding a way over those obstacles. So we just say, oh, well, I've hit my limit. Well, my kids were my reason to not let fear stop me. They were stronger than my fear. So I tell people, find what it is that is stronger than your fears. You know, I've told people, hey, you want to own a Porsche one day, whatever it is, you're working hard, you want to own a Porsche, well, then you have a picture of that on your fridge or everywhere in your house, in your bathroom, because that's what's strong your fears. When things stop you, you think about how you said you wanted that Porsche, and that's what you're working for. So whatever it is, you have to find that thing in your life to say, okay, this is what is going to keep me moving forward. What question would you ask yourself to get there? Well, I guess it's what is it you want in life? What do I so, want yeah, in life? So, yeah, everyone has to sit down and kind of self-reflect and think, okay, one, where am I going in life? And two, what do I want to achieve? You know what I mean? It's just like they say that's how habits are formed. There's a cue. There's a habit. There's a reward. Well, then the way you correct those and make those good those good habits is you make sure you find something. So, you got to figure out what the reward is, and that's what creates your habit. Man, I sound so smart right now. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> I'm a big follower of Brian Tracy. Have you read I any love Brian Tracy? Brian. You know, you don't hear that name anymore. Oh my gosh. No, because it's been a while. Uh, Brian Tracy has had mm. a lot of incredible. I've met him years ago, and it was mm. before all this happened, but I was injured. And I was doing a little bit of speaking here and there, and I met him, and he was such a nice guy. Sent me one of his DVDs, and it was so powerful just to hear how he does things. Because now, as someone who gives a lot of speeches, I'm always intrigued by speakers. Like, some of them have speeches. I don't sound like them. You know, I can't fake it. You know what I mean? Everyone has a different style. And I always find it interesting to see how people do their styles. Yes. I've told his lesson about goal setting Mm -hmm. to probably millions of people. You said, find your goal, Uh find the thing you want. And then he says, he says, actually, he writes, he says, write down everything you want to be, have, or do in the next five years. Write down everything real fast. Just write it all down. Then pick the number one of those. That's good. Of those. And then put that on a sheet of paper, write 20 ways to achieve it. And he said the first will be easy, the last will be excruciating, but write 20 ways to achieve it. It'll make you think out of the box. Yeah. And then pick the number one way that you can start today that'll make the most difference. Well, you know, that's so you so, break it down, break it down. I'll tell you what, it, what you just said right there that was perfect was you'll start today. And there's always tomorrow and too often we say, well, we'll I'll start this later. My or, diet starts Monday. Yeah, my diet starts, And it's like, no, no, no. Start, and, or when people say, well, it's the holidays now, I'm like, no, this is the best time to test yourself. You want to change the way you're eating? Do it over the holidays. You suck. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, though. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so, what do you, and so you had your kids to think about when times got tough mm-hmm. and you still got up and got to the gym. Did you have... This is a personal question. Okay. You don't have to answer this if you don't want to. I had depression that was kind of triggered mm-hmm. by the death of my brother. Uh-huh. It was kind of like it just blah, it just hit. And some people have kind of triggered depression and some people have it where it recurs. So I know that during my big stint of depression I went through, I was in denial for a long time. So I didn't know what was triggering what wasn't because I was lying to myself. 
Were you I mean, sleeping all the time? What I was. You? I was, you know, and then up all night. I would go out all night. I would just, someone that you would not see me around today. I would want to help that person, but I would not, they would not be in my inner circle. Oh, right. You know, and that took me a long time to learn. In, in my past, I'm, I'm a caregiver, and I would draw in those people <gasps> that needed help. And I've since then learned you, your inner circle has to be people that you respect and because you're going to be like them. Yep. And so, yeah, I'm all about now I've learned I can help people, but I don't have to, you know, invite them into my home. Yeah. I did that with boyfriends for a while in my younger days. I've had some exes that I'm like, oh, fixer uppers. Yep. Yep. Oh, I could fix him. You don't think you think that. Yeah. Actually, but you do. Yeah. It took me a while to see it. And then once I saw it, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to quit doing that. I'm going to quit doing that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So. I don't think I even answered your question. No, because we got sidetracked. Yeah. <laughs> but go ahead. What was your question? Well, so it was. I was talking about does, oh, it, does, does it what, recur, does and then what so do you do? What I have noticed now, because I've been able to look back on my depression and what I was going through and how I felt, yes, that usually during the holidays, like for one, work stops for me. So I'm sitting around. Oh. That drives me crazy. That drives a lot of people. I always tell people if they're suffering depression, like it doesn't fix everything to get out, but sitting around makes it worse. I agree. And so during the holidays, and then I, you know, I'd lost, we lost a lot of guys over the holidays when we were deployed. So it was, all, and I was injured over the holidays. So all these things. So over the holidays, I get more depressed. But because I see it now, I can be more aware. Uh, a couple years ago, I felt bad enough that I made an appointment went to mental health, you know, so I am a little more sensitive to it, to if something is even getting close. Yes. I want to take care of it. To be more proactive. Yes. Something you just said. I know I said holiday a lot of times. I was like, I think I could not say that again. (laughs) Oh, because your uh, your story said you woke up uh, in the, in a hospital on Christmas. Yeah, so I woke up briefly in Germany, and it was Christmas Eve, but I was still kind of clueless of what was going on. I was in and out of it. But when I woke up at Walter Reed and my parents were there, it was Christmas Day, and my mom told me what had happened to me, and it was like a big, it was a big blow to take in. Like, mm-hmm. here it was. I had this career. It was over. Yeah. And, you know, with the injuries I had, I was always a physical person. I've done construction, landscaping, worked in a plant, and I was an infantry soldier. So I was like, I'm done. This is it. Like, I that's I felt like there was nothing I could do now. Yeah. I know what I was going to ask you a minute ago. You said something about that you, when you sit around, it makes it worse. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I found that to be true in my life. And yeah. fortunately, I had a job that I had to get up had to get and go up so to. Help. Yeah. And people who depended on me. Mm-hmm. And if I had, I just thought my job, my job was my lifesaver. Yeah. Because I had to get up and come to work. And I had to laugh. Yeah. I oh, had to had help to, make people you know, laugh I on the there's air. There's a lot of people that don't realize how depressed they are because they are still getting up. They have, or parents, you know, when you have kids. You know, and you have to be there for them and take yes. care of them. And it's it's good that that's there, but sometimes you can overlook how bad your depression is, yeah. you know, in order to go get help. Because I always tell people, I was like, sometimes you can go and it's just having someone to talk to a few times yep. in a session that helps. And sometimes, you know, there's medicine. There you could be it, Depression could just be a chemical imbalance. You could have 
all the money in the world, all the success, everything. But, I mean, that's why I love the fact that Dwayne Johnson's come out talking about when Prince Harry came out talking about depression. I mean, all these people that are extremely successful, you know, there are things that happen in all of our lives. Mm -hmm. I remember my oldest son a couple years ago was struggling, so I had him go talk to somebody. And when we pulled up in the parking lot, we were walking through, he had this look on his face. And I was like, are you nervous? He said, yeah. And I said, well, I'm about to tell you a secret about people. We're all a little screwed up. And it takes strong people to go um, acknowledge it and get help. So, I mean, I felt like that was a nut. So he just, you know, saw this doctor. I was sitting out in the lobby, and it was great for him for a couple of weeks. And we've moved past it, and everything's good. That's wonderful. That's so funny. One of my dreams is to write a book called Thank God I'm Such a (laughs) Screw-Up. Because that's how I've learned my life lessons. Yeah, it is. And and able to help others. When everything goes right, you learn nothing. We learn from our, our mistakes. I mean, there's a million quotes out there that are exactly that. Yeah. The best place to ever experience life is when you hit rock bottom. Oh, Lord. Because then everything is somewhere to go up. Yeah. You know what? You see all the mistakes you've made, and you can start from scratch and build from there. And then you know that you can get up. Yes. You can't help somebody else out of a ditch if you don't know how to get out exactly. of a ditch. You know, and another thing is, like, especially when I, I encourage people, like, I'm big into health and fitness. You know, when I look at parents, I'm like, look, you've got to be taking care of yourself because if you're not taking care of yourself, not only is this, you know, going to reflect on your children and that we can talk till we're blue in the face, they react and become who we are. But as a parent, if we are not taking care of ourselves and are getting, causing ourselves to get sicker as we get older and now our kids have to take care of us, Mm -hmm. is that what we want? I know I don't want my kids' lives to be disturbed because I didn't take care of myself. Oh yeah. So I always stress that to people that we, there's always someone looking up to you or that needs you. You know, whether it's at work or in your family, whatever it is, and health and fitness and mental health is extremely important. My dad smoked for most of his life and then kept saying, well, I've lived this long. And then it really hit him in his older years. Yeah. And it was horrible for him and on us. Yeah. It was really bad. You know, and that's one that's like you always hear people that and we all have our bad habits, but we're like, well, yeah. you got to die of something. I know. And that's why I tell people. So you want to put that struggle on everyone else mm-hmm. that doesn't have to take care of you then it's like then people feel like a jerk and they're like oh crap because he didn't want to at the end he, yeah. he would say i'm sorry yeah. that i did this he but said i just screwed that. it up yeah you, you know? don't think about that when it's happening Mm-mm. you don't think it's we all we all do things yep you know what i mean and it's we're, you're never perfect but it's always striving i tell my kids all the time i don't expect you to be the best but always give me your best is it ever too late to go ahead and start trying to get fit it's, it's never too late. I mean, that's like we hear stories of people that are, you know, in their later years going to college. And when it comes to health and fitness, every morning when I leave my gym, there's this sweet elderly woman that's in her late 70s that comes in with her walker. And she had fallen and broken her hip. She's hurt her shoulder. And basically the doctors told her there's nothing we can do about this because surgery would be too hard on her body. But she comes in the gym every day and we talk because she's coming in as I'm going out and we talk and she's going in and she gets on that recumbent bike stationary bike and she pedals and and she's just doing anything because i think it's extremely necessary the older we get because i mean where our body needs to be doing something or it shuts down it took me a long time to get to the point where i was going to start taking care of myself i just took care of my career i took care of everybody else and then I, it really hit me that I was in the worst shape I'd ever been in my entire <laughs> life, like, like you did a long yeah. time ago, but I had to make a change. Yep. And so, but I do feel better. Yeah. I feel 
wonderful, and, you know, and I'm on track. The most important thing is your diet. I always tell people the diet has to come before you. Like, don't eat, the fitness is going to come after, but the diet makes a difference. Yeah, you know, you can't out train a bad diet. If you're I, there's people I see in the gym all the time getting after it every day and not seeing any changes because they're eating crap all the time. Yeah, I'm not saying you got to give it up completely, but. I know some people always think, well, it's very con- macros and this and that. I was like, no, no, no. We all know what we shouldn't eat. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you may not be meal prepping, but you know when you go eat at that restaurant whether you should get the fries and onion rings or not. <laughs> Both, please. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. And then Yeah, but really don't, over, don't overdo it. it too soon because, I mean, like, you feel that as the changes are too drastic. True. Yeah. No, well, I've been able to stay on mine, and I've, I've lost like – 40 pounds that's amazing and it's not been like you know it's not been one of those fad diets or some no. quickie little thing. but it, it takes time i'm sure you've been doing it for a while yes. it takes time yeah because that's one thing that it's hard to really remind people just like if it took you 20 years to get out of shape you think this is going to change in two weeks i know, you know what i mean it takes a minute it's, it's almost <laughs> summertime can i lose 40 pounds and look, gain I, three I, inches taller too look i'm it's like i was in the i'm in the gym all the time but i've kind of been lifting heavy and what us fitness guys are like i'm bulking that's an excuse to eat crap over winter <laughs> you know and now i'm like oh crap Summer's here. <laughs> so, what is next for you? Uh, so, you're are you still single? I am. You're yep. gonna do bachelor, bachelorette, no, things no, like that. I, no, I don't think that's a show that I want my kids to watch me on. I always feel like if I'm gonna be slutty, I'm not gonna do it in national <laughs> television. <laughs> I'm gonna do that privately, like a gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, uh, Noah Galloway. <laughs> this has been one of the most fun interviews I think we've ever done. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. Thanks to Jay Phelps for producing today's show. We're going to post it on our Focus Facebook page so you can check it out there and share it with friends. And if you have any questions or comments about the show or have ideas for future Focus programs, things you'd like to see us talk about, make sure you put it there as well. Make sure you join us again next week. I'm Anna Marie, and that's Focus. Focus.